Once again, we've been blessed today. I'm, I'm tempted to say amen and let you go, but I'm not going to do that. Our next reading of Scripture is going to come from the book of Jonah. We'll be reading Jonah starting with chap- chapter 3, verse 10, through the end of the book, which is Jonah chapter 4, verse 11. So we're reading from Jonah chapter 3, verse 10, all the way through the end of the book, which is verse 11 of chapter 4. When God saw what they did, how they turned from their evil ways, God changed his mind about the calamity that he said he would bring upon them, and he did not do it. But this was very displeasing to Jonah, and he became angry. He prayed to the Lord and said, O Lord, is this not what I said while I was still in my own country? This is why I fled to Tarshish at the beginning, for I knew that you are a gracious God and merciful, slow to anger and abounding in steadfast love and ready to relent from punishing. And now, O Lord, please take my life from me, for it is better for me to die than to live. The Lord said, Is it right for you to be angry? Then Jonah went out of the city and sat down east of the city and made a booth for himself there. He sat under it in the shade, waiting to see what will become of the city. The Lord appointed a bush and made it come over Jonah to give shade over his head to save him from discomfort. So Jonah was very happy about the bush. But when the dawn came up the next day, God appointed a worm that attacked the bush so that it withered. When the sun rose, God prepared a sultry east wind And the sun beat down on the head of Jonah so that he was faint and asked that he might die. He said, it is better for me to die than to live. But God said to Jonah, is it right for you to be angry at the bush? And he said, yes, angry enough to die. Then the Lord said, you are concerned about the bush for which you did not labor and for which you did not grow. It came into being in a night and perished in a night. And should I not be concerned about Nineveh, that great city? in which there are more than 120,000 persons who do not know their right hand from their left, and also many animals. This is the word of God for the people of God. Thanks be to God. Growing up, one of my favorite days of the week was Saturday, obviously for many reasons. But one of the reasons why I loved Saturday growing up was my daddy would go and get the clarion ledger. And what I liked about getting the clarion ledger on Saturday mornings was to read the football scores. I always loved high school football, still do, still, still love high school football. I was talking the other day while we were grilling french fries for the band up at Germantown, I was recounting my glory days at Bogachitta, which involved us playing a lot of homecoming games. You know, you always want to play somebody you can beat for homecoming, so played a lot of homecoming games at Bogachitta growing up. But growing up, reading through the scores every Saturday morning, there were certain teams that, this is back before the internet, back before you could watch stuff on TV and all that type of stuff. This is back when you just had to get your stuff from the newspaper. There were certain schools that just had a, had a, had a presence that you knew you were in trouble when you played them. McGee, any of y'all from South Mississippi knew that when McGee came to town, it's going to be tough. I didn't know anything about them, but Clarksdale up in the Delta. They were always playing for North State Championships. I didn't know anything about them. I just knew they were always tough and always, always good. Um, back not too long ago, uh, South Panola. You know, we used to call them the University of South Panola. Uh, I, had a, I had a friend of mine who was a football coach uh, at Oak Grove years ago, Lonnie Schrader. 
And Lonnie would always say, the thing about playing South Panola is by the third quarter, you're just tired of hitting a guy who's 6'3", 240. You're just tired of hitting them, and they just run you over. But growing up where I grew up in South Mississippi, the team that we were all afraid of was South Pike. If you knew anything about football in South Mississippi, South Pike was the team you did not want to play. Now, like I said, my little rinky-dink school bugachetta, we never sent anybody to we, we barely sent students to college, much less athletes. But South Pike, man, they were always sending players to those schools in Louisiana. Nickel State. I didn't know what Nickel State was. But they had players that go play at Nickel State and Southeast and Hammond, Northwest Louisiana. Like you just, and they were, they were always so good. And when South Pike came to play you back in the day, the old saying was they had you down 14 nothing before the kickoff. Because you just knew they were good. And you knew they were mean. And you knew they were strong. And you knew they were going to pop you in the mouth. And you just didn't want to hit them. You were tired of getting hit by them. So there, was that, there were these teams. South Pike, like where I grew up, was that team that you just, they just always had that intimidation factor. And you always knew that when they came to town, you were in trouble. So wherever you grew up, there was a team like that you can think of. Now, not to compare high school students to Middle East kingdoms, but of all the enemies of God in the Old Testament, Assyria was like that. They had you down 14 nothing before the game started. You knew you were in trouble. The capital of Assyria is Nineveh. Nineveh is the capital of Assyria. And if you look through the scripture, all of the enemies of God, all the kingdoms that opposed Israel, they, they all had things about them that were redemptive, like Rome. Rome. Rome had a lot of problems with them. But if you, in the Roman Empire, if you paid your taxes, they didn't really care what you did. Like, the, the Romans always thought the Jewish religion was odd. They didn't really care for it. But as long as they paid their taxes, they didn't care. They, they'd leave you alone. Greece. Greece wanted you to be Greek, sure, but Greece gave a lot of benefits. Babylon. Yes, Babylon was evil and wicked, but they had a lot of beauty to them. Persia, the same way. Assyria. Nineveh. They were just mean, y'all. Like, they, they were just mean. They didn't really offer anything redemptive. Assyria was the kingdom that conquered the northern kingdom. If you read in the Old Testament, you may remember the kingdom of Israel split into two kingdoms, a northern kingdom, Israel, a southern kingdom, Judah. Assyria was the one that defeated and destroyed the northern kingdom. What Assyria did was this. They did mental, they did mental warfare. Like I said, they had you down 14 nothing for kickoff. They wanted you to be afraid. They were the folks who, when they conquered your city, they would behead your king and put his head on a pike outside the town. They wanted you to know that you were dealing with evil. They wanted you to be afraid. They wanted you to be scared. They wanted you to know that you were not dealing with anything good or kind or merciful, but you were dealing with evil. What they would do when they conquered your town or your city, they would take your citizens and they would ship them off 
to another part of their empire. And they would bring in people from that empire to your town just to mess things up. So they did that to the northern kingdom. They took half the citizens of the capital city of the northern kingdom of Israel and shipped them off and shipped in people from the rest of the Assyrian Empire to that capital city just to mess things up. The, cap, the capital city of the northern kingdom was Samaria. And the descendants of all these people were the Samaritans. Do you see how, is, how Assyria, how Nineveh was still causing trouble? 500 years after they conquered Israel. Like I said, you can find redemptive things about all the other kingdoms that opposed Israel. But Assyria was hard, man. It was hard. So God tells Jonah, I want you to go to these folk. And Jonah says, no. No. I don't, I don't like these people. These people are awful. These people are terrible. These are not the kind of people that, that I want anything to do with. These people, God, are opposing your plan, opposing your will, opposing your people. And God, I know you. I know you, God. And you know what you're going to do to these people? If they repent, you're going to forgive them. And they don't deserve it. You can make an argument. Rome could deserve it or Babylon or, or any of these folk. Greece, they could deserve it. But not Assyria. Not Assyria. They don't deserve forgiveness. They're evil. They don't deserve mercy or kindness. Assyria only deals with fear and power. So as Katie told us in the children's moment, he ran. He ran. He didn't want to go to Assyria. He didn't like them. He didn't want them to hear the good news. He didn't want them to be forgiven. He didn't want them to be restored. They don't deserve it. They don't deserve, they don't deserve the kindness or goodness of God. They don't deserve that. So he ran. And of course, God had other plans and put him right on the path. There's something about that, isn't it, y'all? There's something about going to the place we may not want to go. Or going to the people that we may not want to go to. Or going to the places that we may not want to go to. My neck of the woods doesn't have a whole lot of famous folk from southwest Mississippi. We got a few. Brittany Spears. She's from Kentwood. She used to go to the hang out the Walmart in Macomb all the time. Cousin of mine dated her sister, I think. Snoop Dogg has, America's Sweetheart apparently, has Macomb connections. Uh, Cornelia Gaydon, all-time three-point leading scorer in SEC women's basketball history. From a school you've never heard of called Bogachetta. Go Bobcats. But she went to LSU. So, you know, you got to, you know, we got the all-time score, but she went to LSU. You know, it's kind of a challenge there. Uh, 
Jerry Clower, of course. Everybody knows Jerry Clower. Uh, he is a co- also a Colin alumnus. Go Wolfpack. Um, so he um, he would come to Colin and do um, and do fundraisers for Colin when I was there back in the day. Magic Johnson's grandmother worked at the Colin cafeteria. I got to meet Magic Johnson one day. He's not from there, but he he has connections there. But for me, one of my one of the most famous folk that you probably have never heard of from my neck of the woods was a man by the name of Will Campbell. Don't know if you ever, any of y'all ever heard of Will Campbell. He was a, a Baptist preacher from a mid-county. Uh, once again, like I said earlier, we don't always get a lot of folks out of just a regular college, much less for, much less for sports. Will Campbell wound up going to Yale. So the Baptist preacher was, um, pre, was in school at Yale, was a chaplain at Yale. And during the Civil Rights Movement, did a lot to work for civil rights. Um, did a lot to help people, to help better, better the world. And he had several dear friends that did the same. And Will Campbell writes about all this in his beautiful autobiography, Brother to a Dragonfly. If you're looking for a good book to read, I would suggest Brother to a Dragonfly. Great book. But while, he is, while his friends down there working in a mid-county, I believe it was, um, for civil rights, um, the Klan killed him, was murdered by the Klan. And so Campbell was up in Connecticut serving as a chaplain up there when he finds out his best friend has been murdered back home by the Klan. And he said he felt his heart filled with such rage. And he didn't know where he would go in his life, but he knew this. He would never go back to Amit County. He'd never go back there. Nope. Not after what they did. And not after what they, who they did it to. He'd never go back there. But yet, here's the thing, y'all. He kept praying. He kept listening. And kept praying. And kept listening. And kept praying. And kept listening. And you know where God called him to? A Mitt County. And he said he was called to be the apostle to the rednecks. He said he felt called by God to go to the people who murdered his friend and tell them that God loves them. And God sent a, his son, Jesus Christ, to redeem them, to restore them, to save them. Now, in our lives, I, very, I doubt very seriously we have literal Ninevehs that we have to go to. And I doubt very seriously we have anything as extreme as Will Campbell in our life. But I guarantee you also in our life, there's some folks, some places we don't want to go to. (laughs) Some people we don't want to go to. Some hurt in our heart that we don't really, we don't know that we have even the ability to let go of it yet. Because it's so heavy on us and it's so hard on us and it it just weighs on us. And it's robbing our sleep and robbing our joy and robbing our peace and robbing our ability even to hear from God. This unforgiveness weighs so heavy on our hearts. And as I've told you before, 
Unforgiveness is you drinking a poison and expecting it to kill them. Unforgiveness will kill our hearts, y'all. So we see today in Jonah that God called Jonah to go to the place he didn't want to go to. And I think God calls us to that for a couple of reasons. One is when we go to where the hurt is, the people where the hurt is, the place where the hurt is, it, it, it frees us. Because when we go to where our hurt is and the places where our hurt is, we, we get something that we can't get from anything. And that's release. And that's hard, y'all. And I don't know about you, but I'm not, I'm not holy enough. I'm not good enough. I'm not strong enough. I can't do this via Andy's strength. This only happens through the power of the Holy Spirit. This is only God working through us. But when we go to where the herd is, we are freed. We are released. We can let go. We don't always forgive for their sake. Sometimes we forgive for our sake. Because holding on to that unforgiveness does nothing but rob our peace. So we go for their sake, for our sake. We go for their sake. Because if you've ever been in a situation where there's a broken relationship or some hurt, when you have the chance to bring healing, it not only blesses you, but blesses them. There are relationships in my life that have gotten sideways, usually over something silly. But when someone's come to me to make it right, and we're able to restore that, not only do I have peace, but they have peace. So when we restore, when we love, when we forgive, when we go to where we may not want to go, or to who we may not want to go to, we are released. They are released. But most importantly, what a beautiful declaration of the gospel. Tertullian, one of the early church fathers, one time said, Oh, those Christians, oh, how they love one another. In a world that's angry and mean and seemingly on fire at all times, what does it say to a hurting world? What does it say to a broken world? What does it say to a lost world? When the grace of Christ compels us to forgive and to offer forgiveness, to love, to restore, to point to Jesus. Because, friends, that's the only way any of this is possible. It's through Jesus. It's through Jesus. It's through Jesus. Because when he is lifted up, y'all, when he is lifted up, he draws all people to himself. And when we do that, we live out the gospel. We have a world, y'all, in desperate need of the good news of Jesus. John Wesley, the founder of the Methodist movement, is attributed to have said, do all the good you can, to all the people you can, and all the places you can, forever as long as you can. This world needs Jonas, y'all. Those who are compelled 
by the power of Christ to go into a, a hurting world, to go into broken relationships. Because here's the thing, y'all. I'm crazy. You know, what I, you know what I think? It's nuts. You're not going to believe this. I believe Jesus still saves. I believe Jesus Christ still saves. I believe Jesus Christ still redeems. I agree, believe Jesus Christ still restores. And I believe there's no one, nothing, nothing that my God can't save or redeem. Because my God is alive, my God is king, and my God restores. I still believe that. And our world needs that Jesus. So where is it he's calling me to? And where is he calling you to? By his grace and by his mercy, may we live out the good news of Jesus Christ. May we proclaim his salvation with our mouth, with our lives, with all that we are, so that all the world may come to the saving knowledge of Jesus Christ as Lord. Let us pray.